In today's episode, we're talking about creating premium experiences for high net worth individuals. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? And what are the principles that have helped drive them to success throughout their entire career? Now, today we are sitting down with Lisa Holiday, the Chief Experience Officer at Tiger 21. Now, what is Tiger 21, you might ask? If you are not a high net worth individual, there's a chance that you've never heard of Tiger 21. Tiger 21 is really the premier membership organization for high net worth wealth creators. So we're talking entrepreneurs, investors, executives who are really at the top of their game. And they lean on each other to help each other navigate the challenges and opportunities around investing, life, family, because it's a totally different world once you get up into the atmosphere of 10 million plus as a net worth, right? So this is really a community and Lisa is focused on curating experiences for this community that can help them learn and grow um, when they are in that top 1%. Now, before Tiger 21, Lisa has a ton of great experience. So she was the global brand leader uh, at the Ritz Carlton and St. Regis hotels. So we're going to pull on some of her experience at Ritz, which is obviously one of the most high-end customer experience, most reputable customer experience brands and companies in the world. She was at Ritz-Carlton total for 10 plus years. But before that, she was with Mercedes as well for a number of years, eight plus years. So when we think about those combinations of experiences, Mercedes, Ritz-Carlton, now Tiger 21, she's really all focused on premium experiences. And a lot of the same principles that apply to creating great experiences for Joe Schmo can carry over into this high net worth individual. You just got to be a little bit more intentional and do things a little bit bigger. Um, So without stealing any more thunder, uh, I want to jump into this episode with Lisa. It's a great one, especially if you have high ticket clients. Um, So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Lisa Holiday. Lisa, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hi, David. Well, thank you for the invite. It is a pleasure to be with you today. So let's jump right in. You have had some really interesting career stops that have led you to where you are now at Tiger 21. But maybe just give us a highlight of the different stops, the different homes that you've had throughout your career and how they sort of differed from one another. Sure. Um, Yeah, I feel like I've had quite a few dream jobs, but did not start out that way. Uh, It started out, I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher, then a college professor. And when I decided not to take that career path, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I tried out a ton of different things and then really landed um, the first place kind of a career home. I love that you called it home because I think, you know, so many of us spend so much of our time at work. Our work, our work peeps become our family. So Mercedes-Benz was really the first place that felt like a career home. I was over there for about 12 years, five different roles. Um, The last role there, I was led the brand management team. So I oversaw all of our sponsorships, all of our uh, 
partnerships, all of our product placement. So really a cool role to have beautiful products. Um, and so they're trying to create fans who were owners, our owners, our clients. So the people who really loved Mercedes, I really tried to take care of, of that group and build a community among those owners. Um, and really thought I would never leave because I was doing cool things like the Masters and the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup and Fashion Week. Uh, but I got a call from a recruiter about an opportunity to be the global brand leader for the Ritz-Carlton. And probably my biggest passion outside of uh, living on a lake and water sports is travel. So to be the global brand leader for such an iconic brand was a dream. So I spent eight years there with Marriott the last three years overseeing not just Ritz-Carlton, but a couple of other uh, luxury brands, so five luxury brands total, and taking care of them. Uh, I pivoted from taking care of owners to taking care of guests, so primarily guests that were staying with us. Um, and then I got a call from this organization called Tiger 21. Um, I'd never heard of it, which surprised me because I've spent, as you've heard, most of my career working with high net worth individuals. Um, and so for the last over two years now, I can't believe it's it's been, you know, weird COVID years, right? Uh, but over two years with Tiger 21 as their chief experience officer, that's a fancy name for meaning that I take care of our members. So I went from uh, owners to guests to now members, uh, but at the end of the day, really trying to drive engagement among a, among a community of individuals. So we, we talk a lot about, there's so many things I want to unpack in what you just said too. I want to kind of go into the differences between those roles. Cause I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm peeking at your LinkedIn right now. And I, I know that there's some different like tasks and responsibility in those. And I, I'd love to hear how those have evolved. I thought you were going to say, I could tell you got a professional headshot for LinkedIn compared to how you look today. <laughs> no, no way. Get out of here. Um, so I, I think one thing that we pay a lot of attention to as we work with clients especially is in semantics. And so this difference between owners and members and guests, maybe we do a little highlight on owners, uh, then guests, then members now, Tiger 21, as to how that language kind of shapes how you as an organization approach and treat those people. Yeah. And I think it, it really goes back to community. So at, at Mercedes, a lot of what, obviously we, we had a whole team that was bringing in, you know, new customers and new, and new prospects. But the area I was mainly focused on was how are we caring for these individuals who are really super passionate about the brand? I call it, how do we drive brand love? So how do we, at Mercedes, how do we have somebody so in love with Mercedes, the brand, that they're not going to leave our organization, even if they have a one-off bad experience with the product or a service experience. So really trying to elevate the idea of the individuals we're taking care of are, it's more than a transactional experience. Where's the emotional experience and what's the emotional bond? And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word customer, that feels really transactional to me. Um, so I really, it, and we, we tried to even start pivoting from owners to clients, but I mean, at the end of the day, we were going back to, to these owners who were really, really loyal. Um, and at Ritz Carlton, same thing. I mean, we were going after obviously prospects and wanted to take, um, take market share away from the competition. But at the end of the day, it was the guests that are driving the brand love. And how do you have a guest tell another individual that they should stay at this brand and why they love this brand? Um. And that was that was such an emotional brand. Well, first of all, cars are super emotional, especially, you know, if you're going to buy an expensive car, 
you got to have some type of emotional connection to the brand, right? And the same thing, you could stay at plenty of hotels and have somewhere to sleep. But what's the emotional connection driving you back to that brand? It's, it is really interesting. This piece to hit on is that I think the brands that you've all worked for, and I'm curious as to how it applies now to Tiger 21, the purchase decision is not coming purely from a rational perspective. Mm -hmm. I look at cars and it's like, there are a lot of cars that are cheaper than a Mercedes that can get you from point A to point B. There are a lot of places you can stay that are going to be cheaper than Ritz Carlton and they're going to get the job done. You're going to wake up the next morning. So you've done a lot of work around really digging into how do we create a a deepen emotional connection? How do we create that brand love? I'm curious as to how that applies now with, with Tiger 21. Yeah. And that was part of what fascinated me about Tiger 21, because there's definitely, there's the rational part of why you would join the organization, um, because we are, we're, um, it's a peer learning organization. So you're, you're in a group with 12 to 15 other like-minded individuals and you're learning from them, right? But then what is there above and beyond that, that we can do to really create that brand love and that emotional connection that you're talking about? Um, and so this case, it's members that I'm appealing to. So what can we add on? So there was a core, there's the core Tiger 21 experience um, that is super meaningful for members. And then I look at all the opportunities of what, what are the ands? So not the or, and, 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 and how can we continue to build that and drive community? Um, and again, the same, you know, raving fans at the end of the day, raving brand fans is what we want. The best members that we bring into the organization come from current members recommending them. I love it. So maybe this is a good point for us to talk a little bit about what is Tiger 21. I know we'll do, we'll do some background in the intro on it, but give us from your point of view, what is Tiger 21 for somebody that maybe has never heard of it like, sure. like you prior to coming there? Sure. It's a really special, unique organization made up of super unique, interesting members. So uh, we're a peer-to-peer learning organization for high net worth individuals. Most of our members um, have had a, um, most of them are entrepreneurs or investors. They've had a liquidity moment um, and they've sold their business and they're looking at what's next. At least that's how we were started from the beginning by our, uh, our, our founder, Michael Sonnenfeld, who's still a member and um, super involved. He leads our board. Um, so it's great to to have to have his wisdom as we continue to grow and build the organization. So people come together, as I mentioned, the core part of the member experience is a group meeting in person with 12 to 15 other individuals. Your personal board of directors, if you will, to advise you about anything and everything. And that's really where the community starts is your core group of members that you learn from. Um, It's a very, very trusting environment. It's very transparent and it's very confidential. So you can come to that meeting and and really talk about anything and everything, whether it's investing, whether it's health, whether it's family, friend dynamics, anything that you want to talk about and get guidance and 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 learning from from other members within your peer group. I then come in and add on to that member experience, which is really really fun. So to drive engagement um, and and ultimately retention. I was just setting up that recently where I met a brand new member and I said, I shared my title with her and she goes, that sounds like a really cool job. You get to like create all these fun things for us to do as members. And I said, yeah, yeah. That, that is my job. I love it. Um, so when we think about who is joining, uh, can we just go back real quick qualifications sure. as to who can join uh, into the community? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, there, there's definitely, um, serious qualifications. You need to be a good human, human being. So we look for people who, um, have character that are going to be willing to share in these meetings that are going to be also willing to learn. Um, everyone always wants to know what the financials are around it. So membership, it, membership is by invitation. It's 33,000 a year to, to be a member. And at a base level, you need 20 million in investable assets. Got it. And I think that is really interesting too, because it puts you at a level from an experience perspective where you can't just mail it in. Like, right. I think a lot of the people, I would, I would imagine that a lot of the members that are paying this high price point, and again, it's really similar to some of our clients that are dealing with these high, these sweet owners, these big donors, um, they've got a level of expectation for what a good experience is. It's a little bit. A little little higher bar to to set than your average person, if you will. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe we talk about a, about the structure of Tiger Twenty One in terms of how do members interact with each other. You mentioned they've got kind of their personal board of directors and they get paired with people, uh, and it's kind of like a little cohort, if you will. But yeah. when we think about creating experiences, what type of experiences are we creating? If they're just kind of learning and, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll, let's leave it there. I could continue going on with this question, but I'm going to model it. So if I'll, go I'll for share it. a few things and then jump in, Dave, and, and steer me in the direction that will be most helpful for your listeners. So, again, the core part of that experience is that group meeting. That's where they really, you know, have their first bonds with those 12 to 15 other members. There's a professional facilitator that facilitates those meetings. That's what we call our chairs. So, our chairs really curate that monthly group meeting. Um, which luckily has started happening back in person again. Obviously, during COVID, we had to go virtual for a bit, but most most of our groups meet back in person. And that chair may curate other experiences for that group. So they uh, recently, we had a chair, our two chairs in Denver took their group over to Hawaii for a treat with their significant wow. others. Um, yeah, it sounded amazing because um, who doesn't want to go to Lanai, Lanai, Hawaii with a bunch of other great members um, and and learn and connect. Um, so that's the core part of the member experience. And then every year we have an annual conference. It's called our Global Exchange. Our last one happened in February um, out in Scottsdale. And we bring in guest speakers for those large events. So that one we had, um, we had Venus Williams, which was amazing. She talked both about her, uh, you know, her life in sports, but also as an entrepreneur. So really, really great. Um, we, had her, we had Peter Diamandis uh, talking about longevity and health. So we have the big kind of sessions you would expect with experts. And then we have a lot of opportunities for members to have breakout sessions and learn from each other. Um, during COVID, we added in a lot of virtual events and offerings for learning. So Tiger Talks are um, where we bring in an expert speaker for an hour to talk about anything from investment to real estate to health. Um, and then our members can engage and ask questions. So I'll kind of really, I could keep going on with all the events we're, we're yeah. curating. Well, it's interesting too, and this is where my brain is going with it. I think with the, it's like buying a gift for the guy that has, or for the dad or the mom that has everything, <laughs> right? And I, I think about it in in that kind of term here, where it's like, how do you create experiences? How do you create really great experiences that connect emotionally with people when they kind of can afford whatever experience they want on their own. Yeah. Um, I would imagine based on our time working at Disney, it's probably in those little things that you do. It's probably not the big events 
that really create that deep emotional connection. It's probably in some of the littler things that you guys do. Am I right there? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Although I do think our global exchange is amazing, right? So that's our biggest opportunities for members to come together. But most of the offerings are, um, first of all, they're super curated and mm. they're much smaller in scale. So um, also three, three just critical pillars for us with everything we do, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, whether it's the digital experience, which I haven't really touched on that yet. Um, around the pillars of learn, access, connect. So that's our brand promise to our members. Our promise is that we are going to do everything we can, our, our member experience team, to provide you opportunities to learn, to access and connect. So I'll give you an example of how we recently did that. We recently had our annual summer event out in the Hamptons, our summer soiree. And so during the day, we had a couple of geopolitical experts from a think tank give a three-hour session moderated by our founder, talking about the current situation with Ukraine and Russia, with China and Taiwan. So members were able to learn from these just experts in their field to ask lots of questions in a really intimate setting. 35 individuals in a gorgeous auditorium at a private school in the Hamptons. I mean, just super curated. Um, and then that evening, we had a, a beach party at a private club in Bridgehampton. So members are able to access somewhere that unless they're a member, they wouldn't be able to access on their own. And then we curated what that experience is connect because, you know, everyone doesn't automatically connect. And I think that's a really important piece of building community is as the event planner in this situation, how are you thoughtfully thinking about what are the objectives of bringing these people together? And then how are you going to curate that experience? Because I have everything from members who have been with, with Tiger 21 for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So they're going to show up at an event and probably have a different comfort level than the member who just joined. And this was the case. We had a member who just joined that hasn't even been to their group meeting yet, but this is their first experience with Tiger 21 in a broader setting. So really looking at those opportunities, those small moments, as you mentioned, where you can really bring people together. And that's where it's fun to get, you know, the whole creative side of, of doing these events and creating experiences for people. At the end of the day, we want them to leave with memories. And, you know, money can't, well, I shouldn't say money can't buy memories. <laughs> you know, you can have great experiences because you have the money, but how are we really doing something special? And at the end of the day, it's bringing the members together. The me members themselves are the secret sauce. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that we always talk about is one of the best ways to create memories is surprise, even if it's in those little moments that make you go, huh. Oh, you know, I wasn't expecting that. And a lot of times that has to come from the human element, uh, whether it be from other members or from your team. Um, oh so maybe, maybe, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Well, I just totally love that. So um, at Ritz-Carlton, we called them wow moments. So it was, you know, what are you doing to surprise and delight guests? Um, and I've really tried to carry that through at, at what we do with Tiger 21. So, you know, at this Hamdus event, it was... It was so great. So we have members showing up for the speech party and we were like, should we theme it or is it going to be too themey? But we just went with it. So we went with the boardwalk theme. So we had games set up where members are doing these ring tosses. 
they're winning these big, huge overstuffed animals like you would at, you know, a traditional boardwalk. And of course, we had the opportunity where they could put them in a little pool and donate them to the local boys and girls club. But you wouldn't believe how many of these members are carrying around these amazing, fun stuffed animals. Um, and it's just, you know, it's creating those little special moments, having a bonfire with s'mores. Like who doesn't love s'mores and bonfire at the beach? So just really thinking about all those touch points to really, as you said, surprise and delight, uh, in this case, our members. I love it. You mentioned this word connect as the third pillar that Tiger 21 has. And I, I think community has really become one of the hottest buzzwords in all of marketing. And I think it plays well from, from our end and, and reinforces what we've known for a long time about customer experience. And, and so I want to ask, like, kind of how do you guys, whether, whether it be Lisa or mm -hmm. Tiger 21, how do you define community? Yeah, well, in our case, um, community, really, our members are our community. I mean, our members are, are why we're here, um, having opportunities for them to come together. I think a big piece of it is providing members the opportunity to better themselves in every way, shape, and form. Um, so, you know, you think about the type of successful individual that chooses to join an organization that's all about still learning and giving back is really what community is. We have this interesting um, interesting cornerstone of the Tiger 21 experience. It's called the Portfolio Defense. And so every member annually takes, play, uh, takes part in, um, in presenting a Portfolio Defense. So this is really their opportunity to come together and share a very confidential disclosure and rational defense of their investment portfolio to the rest of the group. Um, and so it takes a, a lot of work, especially on members first time around, but this really gives them an opportunity to share with the group. You know, here's how I view my wealth. Here's how I'm choosing to invest and, and, and to, to in a way defend it, but really it's about an opportunity to learn and for the rest of the members to question. So to have I would say 90 minutes to two hours of that kind of dedicated focus on how you're choosing to to spend the wealth you've accumulated is it's pretty bonding. Um, and that's where we get back to, you know, transparency. You know, sometimes for these individuals, I, a lot of them, I'm not a Tiger 21 member. So I, I hear, um, you know, I hear our, our, our founder, Michael, talk about the experience. It really creates a level of trust and bonding among, um, among these members that is, I mean, I think that's the definition of community, right? If you can have that level of trust, transparency, and, and, and confidence in each other. I love it. Um, there is, there's something interesting, and I, we could spend the whole time talking about how Tiger 21 really approaches community, because as you, as you start to talk about it, I, I kind of think, Community, it really is your core offering at the end of the day. I mean, it is, you guys are doing a lot of great work from, especially from the learn and the access, being able yeah. to put together events, curating the right speakers and the right content for people. Um, but at the end of the day, it does feel like the make or break experience is as a member, who else is in your cohort mm -hmm. and how well and how transparent do they interact? And what are yeah. those opportunities that they interact? Obviously, you guys are facilitating that, but I think there's a lot of, our clients that had these really large audiences, these really large fan bases, customer bases. Yeah. And for the most part, it's one-to-one -one transactions. And I even think back to, to Ritz Carlton, and maybe this is different and, and maybe you can tell me different, but you have a family that's coming to stay and interact at Ritz Carlton. 
how well and how deep they're interacting with other families, I don't know. But I do think a lot of B2C organizations have almost, they, they might have a relationship, but it's one-to-one -one with that customer. And I think that is the difference between an audience and a community where mm -hmm. there, in some cases, I would say you guys might be able to go away, but those people still will crave that community with each other. And, and that is really a piece that is missing. So as, as I'm thinking about that, I mean, what are some more of the successful strategies that you guys have employed to really foster that deep community amongst the membership? Yeah, well, so another another piece that we offer that I think is, is super important is around, we call them networks. Um, so you could almost envision them as many communities, if you will, within the larger. Um, and these are around areas that members are passionate about um, or have a great interest in. So um, it could be the women's network. We just had a, a women's retreat in Cabo this last April. It's an end it's an annual event we have. We changed locations, but we bring the women of Tiger, the women members of Tiger together because there are different conversations that group, that cohort wants to have. Um, and also, you know, we want them to get to know each other. So not only to have the benefit of the, um, the group community, but access to the larger global, global Tiger community. Because we are global. We actually grew during COVID, which was amazing. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about is during COVID, I mean, think about it. our core offering was an in-person group meeting and we had to turn that into virtual, yet we grew. And I think we grew because people were even more hungry for connection and community. Um, so it's great to now be able to bring people, people back. I think another great example is so many of our members are doing so many amazing things to make the world a better place. And philanthropy is, um, is just a really, really a passion point that, that our members are, care about deeply. And so we have a philanthropy network um, during a, I love this story, during an Austin meeting, they had a guest speaker come in and talk about um, about her philanthropy, which she goes in and has uh, basketball courts built and communities and neighborhoods that really need a safe place for kids and youth to come together. And so the Austin group did this and we, we created a little video and showed it at that annual conference I mentioned mm -hmm. out in, in Scottsdale. And of course, you know, who doesn't love great competition? Now we've got groups all over the country committed to building basketball courts in their local community. So those are just a couple examples of how they, how we, how we build these opportunities for members to come together. Incredible. Um, well, I, I think for a lot of our clients, I, I'm thinking about now success and how do we determine success in, yes. in sports and entertainment with a lot of our clients, I think success is often measured in ticket sales or social media followers. Uh, there's a lot of revenue goals there, but what are some of the other goals or KPIs or milestones, if you will, that sports teams should be considering when they're thinking about building a successful community? And I think this can go, I mean, feel free to pull from any of your stops yeah. as we think about what are the important KPIs in this? Sure. Well, I think, you know, and I, I'll think about how to, to position this to more of a fan-based um, but it was similar. I, I feel like it's similar to what we did, but what we're doing um, for members and what we did for guests. So, of course, there's acquisition, right? Are you bringing in new individuals to the community? Are you keeping it fresh? Are you um, are you keeping it interesting? Um, but I think it's also super important to know who your target audience is and who you want to bring in. And, um, you know, just bringing in 
individuals for the for the sake of numbers is not is definitely not the growth we're looking at, right? It's it's individuals who are really going to contribute. And I think that would be important regardless of what your organization is, you know, are you because to bring in those individuals is going to help you deliver whatever your brand promises. You know, I think as sports teams and, you know, the brand, when I lived in California, the brand promise of, you know, the Oakland Raiders was different than the brand promise of the San Francisco 49ers. But you knew the experience you were going to have at each of those and each had raving brand fans, right? So I think, you know, knowing your target audience. So acquisition, um, retention, which is my favorite area of KPIs, like what are you doing to retain um, your your members, your guests, your fans? I think there's there's so many ways sports teams are doing that that I think are super cool. You know, I think if even a mass experience, I think sports teams and arenas do a really good job oftentimes of focusing on an individual and it makes it even more entertaining. So, you know, I think of like, somebody coming out to try to kick an insane field goal. First of all, it gives you an appreciation for how hard it is to kick a field goal. But all of a sudden, you know, you've given somebody like maybe their like once in a lifetime experience of actually being on the field that they've dreamed about. Um, And then the other one I'm really passionate about also is recognition. So what are you doing to, to recognize and make a brand new member or fan feel like part of your community? Um, and then what are you doing to take care of your most loyal fans or your most loyal members? What happens when it's their five-year anniversary, 10-year anniversary, 15-year anniversary? So, you know, I think of somebody that's been buying season tickets somewhere for 15 or 20 years. What are you doing to make them feel extra special? Because that clearly is a raving brand fan. What are what are some of those things that from any of your stops, because I feel like in all cases, you guys probably did a really good job hammering home, recognizing loyalty and brand loyalty in those fans. Maybe, maybe give an example from a couple of the different organizations on how you guys recognized really sure. loyal sure. Uh, customers. Well, the, the two events I missed the most from my time at Mercedes-Benz, um, the Masters and the Pebble Beach Concord. But since I'm not that far from the Masters where I'm sitting right now, I'll give that example. Um, so we, with our with our uh, partnership with Augusta, we um, we had special access to incredible hospitality, and we took over. Anyone that's been to the Masters knows there you know, nothing against Augusta. There's not a Ritz Carlton Augusta, Georgia, and there's not a St. Regis. So you rent a bunch of fabulous homes, and what we decided instead of using that as a prospecting event, when I was at Mercedes, I'm, I have no idea how they're using it now, but when I was there, we used it as a loyalty. And so we rewarded our most loyal customers. So, you know, we had very sophisticated CRM tools. So I could go pull, you know, who's cut the members that have bought the most Mercedes over the most years. Um, and, you know, these were giving people and who are golf fans, so they're going to appreciate it. You know, I can't tell you how many grown men and women I saw cry the first time they had access to to Augusta and the experience we were able to deliver. So I think, you know, providing that special access. Um, and then Ritz-Carlton, it was, I won't say it was easy. Um, it's easy for me to say that because I wasn't the actual general or manager at a hotel having to deliver it. But, you know, you have people coming and staying with you that are celebrating some of their biggest milestones. They have a big presentation for a for a um, you know for a business deal or a proposal. They're celebrating a child's birthday or they're getting married. There were just endless opportunities to add in what we talked about earlier—the human touch of making it super super special. Yeah. 
Did you guys ever do it? I mean, this is something that we're thinking about a lot with our clients as well. I mean, we talked about wow moments. Were there ever things that you guys had architected behind the scenes around surprising or giving a wow delight for a random fan? Cause, right. Cause I can't imagine in, in any of those brands there, every customer in all the brands that you've worked with are yeah. spending a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so I got to imagine there were things that you guys did from a random act of kindness almost or a random act of recognition to create wow moments as well. We we did, but and I'll give all the credit to the individuals when I was at Ritz Carlton and St. Regis. Um, it was really the individuals at the hotel. And part of that, and I think this is also super, super important that we actually haven't talked about, um, but it was empowerment of the individuals really, to, you know, who are the individuals on the front line delivering the experience? So at Ritz Carlton, you know, housekeeper being empowered to do something because she knows uh, a little girl has lost her tooth and this is going to be her first experience away from her home with the fairy, fairy godmother, fairy tooth godmother, whatever she's called. I don't have children. <laughs> but, you know, how can you look for those really sweet moments? And I think a lot of that needs to be, you know, it's not the person sitting in the, the office or now at their home office. It's the individuals who are, who are right there. Um, what we do at Tiger 21 to really try to curate that is we created new positions called Member Experience Advisors or MEAs. So every Tiger 21 member um, has a designated human individual to help make sure they get the most out of their member experience. Yeah, I, I again, the human touch is really what drives a lot of this. Do you have any favorite stories um, from... Uh, Rich Carlton or from Mercedes or from Tiger 21, where somebody on, let's call it the front line, somebody working directly with the members or the guests or the owners, where they've really gone kind of that extra inch that really added up and made a big wow for the the customer. Yeah. Um, well, in Tiger, so much of it is member to member. So, you know, it could be an example of a member finding out that another member's father is very, very sick. And, yeah. you know, how can you help find them the best care possible? So you, there are a lot of stories really around members reaching out to other members, um, wow. the, which is super special. I mean, nothing hits home more than when you, you need help, you know, when it comes to somebody's health and somebody you love. Um, at Ritz-Carlton, they were endless. Probably my, my favorite um, and we did give give the hotels guidance, but they always came up with better ideas than we ever provided from a corporate <laughs> level. And that goes back to empowerment. But there was a family taking a vacation in Amelia Island. It blew up all over social media, by the way. We could have never <laughs> bought this much marketing with my marketing budget I had. But um, a little boy, I think he was five years old. He left his little stuffed giraffe um at the hotel by accident and they got home and of course his giraffe is gone and the little boy is beside himself you know it's his little bingy that he carries everywhere um so they called the hotel and the hotel found it it was in the sheet um so you know easy peasy they put it in a box they send it home no what they did was they took the little stuffed giraffe all over different places in the hotel so and took pictures of it so it's in the spa with little cucumbers on its eyes um, it's down at the beach on a lounge chair. And they made a whole little scrapbook for the boy about, he, he missed you, but um, the little giraffe, I think his name was Jeffy the giraffe. I may be getting that wrong. Um, but, you know, he had this whole little adventure by himself. I mean, talk about that family is going to go back on vacation at that hotel every year, right? 
So those are just the things that it's almost impossible to script. It has to just be really genuine. Um, so those are a few. Yeah. I, I love I love that example. And we could probably go just like rattle off these. We could do a whole episode on that, I'm sure. I love like all them. The I love moments. It's one of my favorite things. And I think it gives just as it, just what you said. It's that it's that human opportunity and talk about creating memories. And that's what we try to do with with all of our events is create these memories and connections um, that it's just it's what makes life special. Right. And it's why you want to be part of a community. I think structurally too, though, I mean, you, you, you've hit on this word empowerment and this is something that we go back with our teams. I'm curious as to how you guys do it at Tiger 21 and even some of the other stops that you've had where I, I've encountered a lot of times as we work with organizations where a leader says, hey, you're all empowered, but then there aren't any actual tools or somebody goes and does something because they believe that they're empowered and they get a slap on the wrist yeah. and they're never going to do that again, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think the Jeffy, the giraffe, example is a really great one where a leader who was focusing on uh, or maybe over indexing on efficiency might have said why are you taking a picture with that giraffe that's not going to bring any money to our bottom line you need to get back to greeting guests or whatever it is i think it really does take a centralized leadership saying hey this is okay in fact we want you to go work with your teammates Spend two minutes. Don't spend your whole day making these wow minutes yeah. or these wow moments, but spend two days, take a picture with the, or two minutes, take a picture with a draft and then pass it off to someone. So there's yeah. teamwork that comes into play in that story yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious too, like just from some structurally, because again, some of the leaders that are listening to the show are senior leaders in their organization who have the power to set these kind of systems and processes up in place from an empowerment perspective to create wow moments. What have been some of the, most successful systems or tools that you guys have used at any of your stops? Yeah, internal culture. I mean, having a culture that everyone, that you don't just say it, it's not just on a, you know, a placard sitting on your desk about what the culture is, but it really is having a a strategic focus on culture, agreeing at across the board at the executive level um, or the senior leadership level that you believe empowerment obviously hiring the right individuals that, you know, that get it, that have a service mindset. I mean, the industries I've been in, they're in indis- their service hospitality industries, and you've got to have a genuine just desire to take care of people and create those moments. Um, and I think them living it and breathing it. And, you know, people are going to make mistakes and then you talk about it and you learn from the mistakes and, and being transparent about it. But um, I think it all comes back at the end of the day to to culture. You know, as we grow at Tiger 21, we're really trying to in- instill that type of culture because we're a small organization and we're growing, whereas, you know, Ritz-Carlton was already, already a really large organization. But in some ways, being a really large organization, it's harder to maintain that culture. Um, so I think just having a commitment to culture and living and breathing it for your team. Are there specific strategies or even just practices that y'all have done in the past or are doing now with Tiger 21 to make sure that you're keeping that experience or that purpose of our member experience above short-term gains? Yeah, yeah, which is, I love that question because it's, um, it's, it's so important to, to, do something about culture instead of just saying it. Like every every organization will say, we have a great culture. Okay, we're really? working on it. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things we do, and maybe why it's top of mind, because it's uh, it happens tomorrow in our monthly staff meeting, 
um, we, which everyone participates in, um, we give examples of what is one of our core values? What does that mean for our purpose? And then we give examples of individuals from the team that have actually done that. So tomorrow I will recognize the team that helped with the Hamptons event I mentioned earlier. And it was a cross-functional team. It wasn't just the member experience team. Like we're a small organization. We lean in from every part of the organization to help each other. So we'll actually be recognizing those individuals. The other tool that I love, it's a tool, um, it's a tool called Kudos, and it's where we have our online platform. That originally when we launched it, I was kind of like, is anyone really going to do this? And people do. And I got to say, it feels so good when somebody gives you a kudo. So, you know, you get it for those who may not know about it. I'm sure there's other fabulous platforms. This is not a plug for kudos. Um, But, you know, you have in there what your core values are for your organization. And then you can go in and give anyone a kudo. My team can give me kudos, which feels great, right? So it's across the board. So those are just two quick ones that um, that I think are doing are helpful in us maintaining and driving the kind of culture we want at Tiger. Our uh, our friends and partners down at, well, I don't know if contractually we're allowed to say partners because uh, we're not a corporate partner in terms of the sponsorship, but uh, one of our clients down in Texas, uh, University of Texas, they use Kudos as well. And I think there was a lot of the similar response where some of the senior leaders might have been at one time, like, is this really useful? Yeah. Then when you talk to people about it, they're like, yeah, no, it really is a, a, it really a is. tangible boost that says, yes, these are the desired behaviors we're looking for. Yeah. Great job on those, right? It's like, yeah. it's like kids when you got to reinforce key behaviors with a carrot, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. It feels good. Well, let's jump into kind of some more of the, the rapid fire round, if you will. Um, oh, goodness. What's, uh, what's, what's one thing we haven't covered yet so far that you really want people to know who are focused on creating a better experience for their members, their guests, their, uh, their owners or their customers? Yeah, well, I think that, and I mentioned that, but maybe just to reinforce that, um, I just, I'm such a believer in delivering upon your brand promise. And that was one reason I think it, um, it, it, Marriott, the structure we had for the global brand teams was just really smart because we had the the executive was overseeing both the guest experience and the marketing. So when I was in my role, what we were saying about our brand and marketing, I was also for ensuring that the team was actually delivering it on site at the at the property. And so at Tiger for us, if we talk about creating a community for these members, if we talk about delivering, learn, access, and connect, you know, when we're going in and planning events, so we just had, we started these new events that I love. They're called Discover and then a market. So we had Discover London in June. We've got Discover Austin next month, and we've got Discover Zurich in October. Um, and so when we're curating those events, I'm able to say to the team, okay, think about learn. Where, are we, where, where, where can we check that we're providing learn? Where are we providing access? Where are we providing connect? So I think linking your brand promise to what you actually deliver is is super important. A hundred percent. I think a lot of times stuff like that, like a brand promise gets created in a workshop somewhere yeah. and then it gets put on the shelf in the binder with everything else. And there's no teach back to that on a regular basis. So I love that you guys, again, have a systematic way of saying, is our activity that we're doing today teaching back to that or reinforcing yeah. that brand promise? I think it's a key thing to not yes. do that. Um, all right, going into to books, if you're a book reader, what is uh, the book or books that you've given most as a gift and why? 
So I do love books. My master's in is English, so um, I love books. You've heard me say curate often during, mm -hmm. the, during this conversation, David. So I actually, as much as I love books, I don't tend to give them as gifts very often. Um, I tend to give more often a journal. I love journaling. I think it's really powerful. And um, so I give journals more. If I do give a book, I try. I, it's typically more of a coffee table kind of book around something somebody I know is super passionate about. So a gal on my team loves, loves, loves Dolly Parton. And so do I. So, you know, I gave her a coffee table book of Dolly Parton. So unless I know it's something that's going to really have meaning. The other reason I love coffee table books is they tend to be out where you can see them. And then mm -hmm. that connection of memory of, oh, that's the person that gave me the book or, oh, I bought that book when I was on, you know, XYZ trip. But yeah, I love books. Here for it. Uh, so when we think about inspiration for you, w ways that you're kind of growing your knowledge base, what are the best sources of information could be and should be kind of specific here on this answer. Cause I want to, I want listeners to say, Oh, that's something I haven't heard of. I haven't heard of that newsletter or that podcast or that book. I mean, where, where are you gaining new inspiration in your area of expertise? Well, I mean, the top of the list now is going to be downloading and, and subscribing to flip the switch. So let's start there. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Shameless plug. Well, I've been, in all seriousness, I told you that I listened to a bunch of yours and those darn Savannah bananas are doing super cool things. So um, I love that. You know, for me personally, I actually get a ton of inspiration from nature. Um, so I know that's not a recommendation specific to what you were talking about, but I think sure it is. I think especially working from home and just being, I'm on screen a lot. We do a lot of Zoom. We don't do a ton. We aren't one of those organizations that's kind of reverted back to conference calls. So I think just getting out and fresh air and breathing and not, what I have to avoid is the temptation of always having something on the phone to listen to or people to talk to and just like being and listening. Yeah. So those are yeah. mine. You're past like in nature. I, I have the worst habit on that note of just like, I wake up and I constantly like pull up Spotify and I hit play on something and I'm like, David, you don't have to constantly be stimulated, but yeah, it's it, hard, it's, right? It is. Yeah. It is. I know um, so I, have to do, I have to like tone down the Instagram and the TikToks and that stuff. But I have to say, I know a lot of people complain about them. I do find inspiration on them. Like I, people recommend things. And so anyway, I, yeah, you, you can curate your feed on Instagram though, or TikTok. <laughs> But you can curate those feeds to all, I mean, same thing with Twitter. Like you can curate the feeds to be, speaking of curate, uh, to really be sources of knowledge because yeah. there are a lot of really good thought leaders on all of those platforms. Right. Um, I might get on TikTok soon. We'll see. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it, I think it's probably going to get banned before I get on it. So uh, one, one more here before we go into like final pieces of advice. Um, what is a bad piece of advice that you often hear or that you've heard in our industry where you're like, you know what? Don't follow that one. I actually have a different route that you should take. Bad piece of advice. I've had lots of bad bosses. Does that count? <laughs> sure. Give me, give me some, some direction that they <laughs> no, that Well, I will give you this. If you, if you're working for somebody that is not inspiring you and is not the type of leader, um, then sometimes you have to leave the organization to go find that. So I think having not just inspirational, but just really good human beings that you're working with is super, super important. Um, bad advice. You know, one I heard that I don't know, I can kind of argue either side of it is the whole fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because part of me, I get it. Like you're, you know, you want to get in there and you want to prove yourself. And I think especially sometimes women, like we're like, oh, I can't do that yet. I can't apply for that job. I'm not going to speak up. But the other side of it, I think there's so much to be sad for being vulnerable and saying you don't know something because that creates a learning opportunity. So totally agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I think there is a level. I mean, this is, this is how Katie and I always talk about it is like there's a level of having irrational confidence that can be good, like and not like drastically irrational confidence. But like, I think there is something positive to saying, you know what? I have confidence that I can do that. And it's to the point that it's like, have I ever done that before? No, but I have confidence that I can do that because I know my skills. And I know my strength. So I would almost call that a little bit of like irrational confidence. But there is totally the aspect of vulnerability where I'm like, ask the question if you don't know it. Yeah. Like, don't feel don't feel like you have to put on this front. Like you're it's going to be better because you're going to do your job better if you just ask the question. And nine times out of 10, asking the smart question is going to make people think more highly of you anyway. So thank you, David, for articulating what I was trying to say. Well, I'm with you. I, I, I got your back. I got your back. Um, well, any any final pieces of advice for our listeners as they're going out and trying to create deeper emotional connections with the people that they serve? Well, I mean, I'm a fan. I love I love college football. I'm a huge, huge college football fan. Go Tigers. I'm a Clemson Tiger. And um, okay. I do. And I'm a crazy raving brand fan because I do. I think, you know, the the, the experience they deliver is what is promised to me. Um, and I absolutely love it. I rave about it. You know, I think so. I just I think sports and entertainment, there's just so much power in sports and entertainment, the community. And I think even if these are, you know, probably a lot of larger organization, there's just so much opportunity, I think, to to deepen the relationship you have with your fans. And, I, you know, look how much we all missed it during COVID. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's about getting out there and, and going for it and having that mindset like you've talked about yeah. so much uh, about serving and, and getting after it. So we're going to send this to our, our Clemson people and uh, and maybe they'll reach out to you and uh, and say hello. So <laughs> I think that'd be a great way to create a, an emotional connection with a fan. So um, Lisa, where can people find you and follow along your journey, engage and interact with you? Yeah, well, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. So Lisa Holiday, um, and that's probably the best space. I'm on Instagram. I love my Instagram. So if anyone wants to follow me, it's it's so cute. It's holiday time. So H-O-L-L-A-T-A-Y time. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really, really great spending time with you, David. Fantastic. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on. Looking forward to the next conversation. Sounds great. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.